Welcome to episode two of the Pastor's Call podcast. I'm your host, Joel Webb. Before we begin the episode and the interview today, I just want to thank the primary sponsor of the show, which is Blue Water Free Methodist Church, the church that I currently serve at with a slogan, we are an intentional community whose mission is reflecting Jesus to our world. So just so thankful for the support they have for this podcast. And how appropriate it is today, the person that I'm interviewing is actually my pastor, the lead pastor at Blue Water Free Methodist Church, Michael Alexander. Hey, Joel, it's good to be with you. Thanks. Well, uh, first, you were the first person that I wanted to get on the show since you're my pastor and you know we've been building a relationship over uh, uh, almost a year now that I've known you but uh, since I've been on the been on staff at the church in uh, February and um, appreciated your style of pastoring and hearing some of your stories and experiences and wanted to kind of make you, you the inaugural uh, interviewee on the show so thanks for coming my pleasure glad to be here so how long have you been here at uh, Blue Water Free Methodist just a little over a year and a half started in February of 21. Okay. Yeah. So that was just uh, six to eight months before I uh, came on board. So something like that. Yeah. yeah. You're almost as new to it as I am, at least for this community. Yep. And so did you start out, uh, this is, uh, you know, Blue Water Free Methodist within the denomination of the Free Methodist Church USA. Mm -hmm. Have you always been a part of the Free Methodist Church and what's kind of been your journey uh, bringing you to here? Uh, Nope. I grew up in the missionary church. Um, that's been my heritage, my grandparents, uncles, aunts, cousins, everybody I knew at the time was a missionary church. And so when I graduated from college and was entering the ministry, um, just naturally looked into the missionary church. And so that's where I was as a full-time pastor for eight years before I came to the missionary church, or excuse me, the Free Methodist Church. Um, and I've been in the Free Methodist Church now for, oh, 17 years or so. Okay. And where did you uh, go to do your ministerial or seminary studies? Um, I got my bachelor's in Christian education from Taylor University, which is down in Indiana. And then um, several years later, probably 10 years later, I started, that wouldn't have been that quite that long, but started my master's program at Bethel College then. It's now Bethel University in Mishawaka, Indiana. And then took me a long time to get my master's degree of ministry. And uh, when you're working full-time, I uh, have three little kids. Um, when I was working on my master's, Becky was working on her bachelor's, too. So it was a full time in life. Mm-hmm. And so it was a long, difficult process, but uh, a good one. And mm-hmm. so I got my master's of ministry from Bethel university now. Well, as you know, the name of the podcast is The Pastor's Call, and the mm-hmm. goal of the mission we're wanting to accomplish is to talk about and hear uh, the call of the pastor, men and women who've uh, come into pastoral ministry and hear about why they feel they've been called into it and some of their experiences, hopefully uh-huh. as an encouragement to those who are... Hopefully. Hopefully an encouragement, <laughs> yeah. It can get interesting sometimes, but as an encouragement to those who are potentially pursuing the pastoral ministry like myself as uh-huh. the local ministerial candidate at the church or people who feel like they want to serve God more, don't know what they're supposed to be doing necessarily. 
uh, or even for pastors who are in the ministry and just want to hear uh, stories of of people who are in similar shoes. So I uh, would love to hear you talk a little bit about the call that you felt uh, from the Lord to become a pastor. Was it uh, you know, a voice from heaven or just, you know, something you always felt or were there events that developed, uh, that thought of being called to a pastor in, in your life? Yeah. Um, no, I did not have, uh, a call that I know some of my other pastor friends had of, um, you know, I know some that knew from when they were a child that they wanted to be a pastor. Um, I didn't have that, um, I grew up in the church. Um, I like to say I had a drug problem as a child. That I was drugged to church as a child. Every time the doors were open, I was there. Um, whether I wanted to be or not, my parents drugged me to church. My grandpa was a pastor. My uncles, I had a couple, three, I had three uncles who were pastors. Um, so ministry um, was not foreign to me. My dad went to college to be a pastor for two years and then realized that that was not the call in his life and left that and spent his life in the factory. So the ministry was not foreign to me. Being involved in church was not an unusual thing. I was in church all the time. Um, so as I went through high school, um, I knew I wanted to be involved in church ministry, but I never expected to be a pastor. I thought I would have a job. Um, I thought I wanted to be a teacher. thought I'd do that and then work with youth as a volunteer. And so I went to college as an elementary education major. And the first semester, they put you in classes. So you immediately start working in an elementary school. And I realized very quickly that that was not for me. And so being in a small Christian school, I realized that, oh, there is this ministry thing that you can do. And it's actually, I mean, I knew there were full-time pastors, but I never expected that for myself. And so I went through my first year of college and just really began thinking more about full-time ministry and thinking that that might be something I want to do with my life. But it's a huge step. Mm -hmm. And so for the third, my third semester, I thought, you know, I'm going to stick this out as an elementary education major and just really gave time to, to pray, seek, and let the Holy Spirit speak. And through that, uh, my third semester, it became very clear that I wanted to be a youth pastor. And so I switched majors and spent an extra year in school um, and um, started walking down that path to becoming a, a pastor. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that clear heavens opening up um, I knew from a young age, or I knew um, easily, I guess, it was more of a, I kind of grew into it, that I came, I was kind of dissatisfied with the path I was on, and I just kind of, I think I want to be a pastor, and just spent some time exploring that whole desire, and is this, God, is this crazy? Am I Am I figuring this out? Am I hearing you right on this? And just really giving time to explore that and allowing him to confirm that and really grow grow that passion in me instead of, um, yeah, the heavens opening or a clear sign of anything. So that's kind of uh, my my call in a nutshell. And so you said you felt um, 
something related to youth ministry? Did you start out as a youth pastor role? What was your kind of first ministry move after yeah, graduating school? Yeah, again, probably not a typical route that I took. When I graduated from college, um, I was dating a girl I knew I was going to marry. Um, I, th- I can't remember. I think we were engaged at the time. And, um, we weren't ready to get married yet. So it was about a year after graduation that we knew we were going to be getting married in about a year. Couldn't find a job in a church. Being a youth pastor, you're going to find in a church that's going to hire a full-time youth pastor. They're not common. There's not a lot of them. So the opportunities are pretty slim. I'd sent out a bunch of resumes and didn't get any calls back. And so uh, Becky was back in the thumb of Michigan area, and that's where my parents were and not having a job. Well, I went home and got a job on a farm and worked full-time on a farm for a while, and then got a job in a factory and got a job in another kind of parachurch ministry. And it, um, spent four years just working in the marketplace before I got a call out of the blue from a resume I had sent when I was in college. So this four years later, I get a, this random phone call. Uh, are you interested in a youth pastor job? And I had no idea. Like, um, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Set up an interview, and um, we had two kids by that point. And um, the rest, they say, is history. Accepted the position. They offered it, and I accepted um, it wasn't necessarily something that even Becky and I agreed on at the time of the church that we thought we should accept. She was fine with pursuing full-time ministry. Um, but this first church she did not think was the right thing. She literally prayed, um, cause the church was in Indiana. She literally prayed, God, please send us to Africa. Don't send us to Indiana. <laughs> and I don't know which one might be worse. <laughs> <laughs> and she was serious in her prayer. And to this day, we don't agree that it was the right thing to do. She's wrong. Um, <laughs> I wonder if I should ask her that. Yeah. Um, but it was our, yeah, that was our first church as a youth pastor. Um, yeah. And then it just kind of went from there. So moving through from school, you had four years, marketplace, workplace, mm-hmm. secular work um, out, uh, out in the rest of the world and then moved into ministry. So you know, that journey can be a little different from somebody getting fresh at a seminary, jumping into right. a church position, whether it's youth or worship or mm-hmm. uh, or lead, even lead pastor. But what was kind of the first big hit of reality of figuring out this ministry thing when you moved into that youth pastor role um, that was different from what you were told or taught doing ministry was going to be like? Oh, man, it was um, reality setting quick. You know, it's exciting to think about getting a job. It's exciting to be offered a position and to kind of realize a dream and realize and experience a call in your life. But yeah, they don't prepare you for walking through the door for the first time, sitting down at your desk and you're expected to have the answers. You're expected in college, you prepare lesson plans and and you kind of, you put a, a ministry plan together, but when you sit behind the desk and it's real life and you've got a real 15, 16, 17 year old kid sitting across from the desk from you, or you're in a room with, and you're hearing real world problems. Some of those plans that are put in place in a vacuum of a college classroom uh, doesn't always go as smoothly as it does on paper. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so yeah, it, it hit the reality of, oh, people are looking to me for answers. That happened real fast. Hmm. Um, you know, I'm, I became the hired person. I became instantly by my title and instantly by my position and by my being recognized by the denomination, I became an expert hmm. in their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Not in my own eyes. And hmm. so, um, yeah, it was within the first, I'd say probably a couple of weeks mm-hmm. that it hit me that, oh man, um, this is real. Mm-hmm. And I don't necessarily have a clue about what I'm doing. <laughs> it's always reassuring. To <laughs> so I was yeah, very confident, very yeah. good for my self-esteem to mm-hmm. sit across my desk and think, what in the world do I do now? Okay. I got the job. I got the office. I got the church. I am called pastor. Um, now what? and figuring out as i go along you know in college they don't prepare you for board meetings you know uh, how to how to make a report Mm -hmm. that people understand and what am i supposed to report on um yeah it was uh it was a very um strong reality check Mm -hmm. very quickly Mm -hmm. wow that that certainly is the hits the reality and you mm-hmm. learn how bored those board meetings are, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and every Wednesday comes, it's like past, you know, every Sunday comes around, mm-hmm. you know, every seven days. Mm-hmm. And no fault. Yep. And so you had to keep, uh, keep a plan. It was, it was interesting when mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're dealing with reality of what kids are dealing with was um, sobering. Yeah. It drove me to my knees for sure. Mm. But it was a slightly terrifying experience, mm-hmm. and exciting and terrifying. So that kind of being driven to your knees, is that kind of like a major, like what was the greatest lesson that you got from those early years, especially moving through that? Oh, boy. Um, one is God's grace. <laughs> God's grace is pretty big that I could make mistakes, but God could cover it. Hmm. But that was pretty amazing to think about, you know, as long as my heart was in the right place and I was pursuing him mm-hmm. as honestly as I could, um, that his grace covered a lot of my mistakes, that kids in particular can be pretty forgiving, teenagers, mm-hmm. adults, not as much. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if you're just genuine and authentic, um, I think that's one of the biggest things is just be genuine, real, authentic and uh, God's grace makes up for your deficiencies pretty good. Well, amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> we always need a reminder of that because I can think of all all those mix-ups I've had even in the in the early weeks of, of even starting here and the grace from you and even yeah. from, from the Lord for some of that. So starting off at that first youth pastor job, that was Missionary Alliance or Missionary Church. Just Missionary Church. Church. Just yep. Missionary Church. And so what's kind of the you know, quick transition, uh, the journey that brought you here then to, to Blue Water, because I know different denomination, uh, different mm-hmm. state, uh, you know, so there's mm-hmm. quite a bit of variables there from where you are now. So what uh, kind of in summary and uh, some of the key points uh, in that journey? Well, nothing I've done has been easy, so it's not a quick story. Um, but when we we resigned from the church in Indiana uh, after a little over three years, um, I thought because we did what God had called us to do that obviously we will get another church right away and it will be fine. And the transition and the change will be smooth and easy. (laughs) Well, 
five months later, we still didn't have a church and we were living in a pop-up camper and living at our parents, taking turns at our parents' house and, you know, just kind of figuring out, going through a really difficult time and then moved into a part-time role as a senior pastor, another missionary church up in uh, kind of northern Michigan, was there for 10 months um, as a senior pastor, very rough experience. Um, went back on staff at another missionary church as an associate pastor, not in youth, but Christian education, discipleship uh, type role. Was there for three and a half years, was asked to resign. Um, so into another time of being homeless and unemployed, depending on friends. Worked at a summer camp for three months, lived in the basement of a house with three children. Um, and then got connected to the Free Methodist Church because the camp we worked at was a Free Methodist mm-hmm. camp, Covenant Hills. Um, but in the meantime, living at the camp, living in another fifth wheel, small fifth wheel, and mm-hmm. depending on friends for um, help and sus- being sustained as a family, very humbling, uh, very, <laughs> very humbling. Um as a as a man, I wanted to provide for my family, and mm-hmm. to have to depend on other people was a, a very humbling experience. But a, a, again, one not that I would want to ever repeat, mm-hmm. but one I would never replace, mm-hmm. um, just because of the growth that we experienced as a family and uh, watching our kids. And there was a good family time mm-hmm. during that. Um, but a very difficult time, I can say that. And that was another, um, well, from what's April to November. That's about six months. Mm-hmm. That's how long we were out out of, we weren't out of ministry necessarily because of being at the camp, but kind of felt like being put on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, in my estimation, not by something I did, but by something that others had, circumstances that happened to me through other people's choices and decisions. So it was a really difficult time, but without it, we wouldn't have gone to Oxford, and without Oxford, we wouldn't be here. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't go back and change anything. Mm -hmm. Is that what you asked? Yeah, but, you know, (laughs) your journey to now, where you know, from where you first started a first ministry job, you know, to now, and you know, it's quite a sheet spanning. Well, yeah, that's that's yeah, two states and Mm -hmm. twenty some years. Yeah, in about three minutes or whatever it is. So, yeah. And uh, what was there a, a a greatest lesson learned or a major lesson learned? I know you mentioned. I'm sure there was a lot of lessons learned from being asked to resign from a church, yeah. um, and even just through some of those other you know difficult periods. Is there something that um, you know this ties into? A, I'll ask the later question now. You know, what would you tell a younger self? Um, you know about those, or tell someone mm-hmm. who's younger in in those positions from from what you've experienced and learned. So the greatest thing, one of the greatest things I learned, mm-hmm. that's the first question? Yeah. I guess is trust in God's sovereignty. Hmm. Um, you know, in the moment, I remember feeling and thinking that, uh, I don't know that I, ever, that I felt God had let me down or God had failed me, but you know, it was just a, a just such a difficult time living through that experience experience in real time, mm-hmm. when you're trying to raise kids and you're trying to provide for kids and uh, lead your family spiritually, and you're going through a difficult time yourself with 
uh, the hardships you're facing and you know being asked to leave so essentially being fired and thinking things are okay and um yeah it's i i guess being able to look back in hindsight and to see god knew exactly what he's doing mm-hmm. and to be able to trust that mm-hmm. it's really hard to trust it when you're hurting it's really hard to trust it when you're afraid it's really hard to trust it when um your home is a pop-up camper in a campground mm-hmm. you know it can be really difficult to trust that mm-hmm. um, but looking back um I think, yeah, the greatest lesson that I've been able to build on over the last, you know, 15, 20 years is, okay, one, it's temporary. One, it's temporary. Um, and that God's in control hmm. and that we can we can trust in his plan, even if we can't see it. Um, so, I, yeah, the, probably the greatest lesson would be just depending Just trusting a sovereign God who has it all in control and to realize that even the, the hardships we're going through, even though they seem really deep and seem really hard, that it's temporary. Hmm. And in the grand scheme of things, it's a it's a brief period of time and 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 God does bring us through and God hmm. does have better things for us. But there is a lesson and a purpose for it now. Hmm. Um, and that has carried me through a lot of a lot of other difficult times since then of just being able to sit back and take a breath and say, okay, kind of like David, hmm. you know, I, I slew the lion, I slew the bear, I can slew, slew? I can, I can, <laughs> I can kill. Slay. I can slay. <laughs> <Slewed>. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> English is my first language. <laughs> I, can, <laughs> um, I can kill Goliath. Yeah. So I think that that has been something in my life that I look back and say, well, if I survive that and I survive that, I can survive this. Mm-hmm. It's been a, a pretty big life change for me. That's that's good stuff. Just as we're you know we're wrapping up here in a couple minutes, mm-hmm. uh, just moving on. We have uh, just uh, two final things here. Want to go over? You know, what would you see as major challenges to pastors in the coming years? Um, of course, we live in dynamic, shifting times. Lots of stuff mm-hmm. going culturally. Lots of stuff changing in the mm-hmm. church. Um, so, what would you see just from your Michael Alexander's mm-hmm. perspective, from your experience and where you're living now? Uh, what do you see as major challenges coming to pastors in the future in the coming years? I, I see um, a clash of cultures, you know, where you have the younger generation who looks at church differently than older generations. You have older generations who tend to be in control of the church and in positions of leadership, and so they want to lead the church the way it's always been led for the last 50 years, 60 years of their life, and mm-hmm. adult life anyway. That is so different than it is today. Hmm. You have the older generation, you know, it's probably over 60, um, maybe over 70 now, that the church used to be the center of the community. Hmm. The church used to be the place where people would turn to when life went south. Um, They would turn to it for peace. They would turn to it for hope, for strength, for encouragement, Hmm. all that. I don't think that's the case anymore. And so you have this clash of younger generation that doesn't see the church that way and an older generation who still sees the church that way. Um, and I'm kind of, as a 
52-year-old man. I'm kind of in between those generations, mm-hmm. and I see the transition, but I, I see what the older generation saw because mm-hmm. as a kid, that was true. When I, the kids I went to school with went to church somewhere. The teachers I had, the school system, there was a religious um, acceptance. There was a religious uh, – they they uh, understood that the church was important hmm. and you didn't have activities on Wednesday nights, never on Sundays. It's not the same anymore. And so I think there's that that real difficulty that the church, the transition that the church is facing of how do we minister in a, in a culture that doesn't necess, necessarily see our value. Hmm. For previous generations, they saw value in spiritual things and religious things that today they don't necessarily see. Mm-hmm. And so as a church, we kind of have to we kind of have to um how, how how do we share people and share with people and show people that there's value in a relationship with Jesus hmm. that we reach them and say we are important and we can change your life and there's something there's a message that we have that is not just eternally valuable that's not just about heaven that's about experiencing him here and now hmm. And that there's value and purpose, that there's a plan that he has, like there was for my life. He has it for your life. You're going through hardships. You're going through a pandemic. um, You're going through a a really terrible economy. God's still in control. Hmm. And you can still trust trust it and thrive through it. Hmm. And that we as a church, you know, the— they don't come to us anymore, so we have to go to them. And that's a huge shift where yeah. it used to be, if you build it, they will come. Mm-hmm. And it's not that way anymore. And so we have to uh, we have to really make that shift as a church of how we're going to minister to this current mm-hmm. culture, society, and generation. Yeah. And that's just a whole world shift view for oh, the entire yeah. church, Yeah, how we conduct it, what do our buildings look like? How do we construct how we worship? So that's a huge, huge change yeah. that you're certainly in the, Everything, in the middle of. Everything from ground up. And it's if anybody, if anybody has it figured out, please let me know. <laughs> I would I would love to know that. <laughs> yeah, please. If you know, please send that in to, uh, yeah. to the write, show email. Write a book, get rich, retire. I'll <laughs> read it and I'll grow and well, it's perfect. a good thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we can read something, it's so much easier to transmit that information to others. And that yeah. brings us to the last question before we wrap it up. Other than the Bible, because that would just be a, the cheap answer, not <laughs> the cheap answer, but the easy answer, what's yeah. been one of the most impactful books for you? Uh, it could be personally, but it could be ministry-wise. What's been one of those books? Uh, Spurgeon said, um, you know, read many good books, but live in the Bible. So we want, mm-hmm. as pastors, we're wanting to live in the scripture as our main source of food, but we want sure. to be in many books. So yeah. what would be one of those books that's that's had a major impact on you? Dietrich Bonhoeffer's The Cost of Discipleship. I had it re- as required reading in college, and professor who assigned it said it should be a prerequisite to get into heaven. This is, you have to read that book. Hmm. 
And when I read it in college, it was good and it was impactful then, but it has become more so as I've gotten older and grown in my faith. And even just the first couple of chapters in that book about costly grace, Hmm. costly grace versus cheap grace, Hmm. that we want our faith to be easy. We want it to be neat and clean and tidy. And we want the 2.5 kids in the white picket fence and retire at 65 and live till we're 90 and with everybody around our bed mm-hmm. singing. Um, life doesn't always go that way. And if it cost Jesus everything that he had and he lived a, a, a challenged life, we can't expect anything else. But it's better. It's not necessarily easy as we define easy, but that's okay. Um, and it's actually better. And his plan for us is better. And his grace is definitely worth it. And it's not cheap, it's costly. And I love that Bonhoeffer puts it that way that, hey, um, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And that's what we're called to. And that's what I want to be. So that's probably been the. There's been a lot of books. That's probably been the book that I refer to the most and I go back to the most frequently and have read multiple times is uh, is The Cost of Discipleship. Definitely an amazing book. I've read it a number of years ago. Definitely need to add that back onto my <laughs> list of something yeah. we read. Just, you know, new eyes having gone through experiences. Well, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show, Michael. I really appreciate you just kind of sharing your story, your heart, the things you've learned and experiences. I've certainly been benefiting from it as someone under your uh, ministerial tutelage. And uh, I hope it's going to be as encouraging as it has been for me uh, to all those out there. Again, whether you're seeking pastoral ministry or are already in pastoral ministry or anybody in any form of ministry, just sharing the gospel, Mm -hmm. uh, gospel of Jesus to people. Um, I just hope that'll be an encouragement. uh, Yeah. People's journeys don't have to look like anybody else's. Hmm. Your journey is what God has called you to. And you don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to explain it. Just be obedient. Well, amen. Awesome words to close out the show. Again, thank you, Michael. Just want to thank everyone who's listening to to this episode. Again, want to thank our uh, sponsor for the show, Blue Water Free Methodist Church, where I serve. And uh, we're just so thankful uh, for the opportunity we have here to learn from those who've gone before in ministry. The pastor's call learning from from pastors as an encouragement to those seeking ministry or in ministry. So I hope you are all blessed and God bless. Thank you so much.